Hey, it's Bob Fibbs, The Retail Doc. Thanks for joining me on my podcast, Tell Me Something Good About Retail, where I interview some of the best entrepreneurs and retailers and people who deal with retail in a new and exciting podcast format each week. So join me live here, or you can also find out more about me at retaildoc.com. That's R-E-T-A-I-L-D-O-C.com. Let's get going. Thanks for joining this podcast. Today, I'm talking to Todd Gill, Southern Regional Director for Rockler Woodworking and former Director of Retail for Cafalon Cookware. He talks about how it's impossible to over-communicate to employees, how you have to find new ways to challenge your number one, two, and three on the team, as well as his unique way of coming up with an advisory panel based on them. I know you'll enjoy this. Good morning, Todd. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell me, who are you and what do you have to do with retail? <laughs> well, uh, I'm Todd Gill, and uh, currently I'm a, I'm a regional director for a group of woodworking stores across the southeast. Um, previously, I was the director of retail for uh, Cafalon Kitchen Outlets, uh, and I've been in retail in, in one job or another in the field for quite a while. So how did you start out in retail? Give me any, give me a story. Well, the it was my first job ever. Actually, I was a I was a pimply faced teenager looking for a job to pay pay gas for a car, and right. literally was walking by a one of those um, dried fruit stands in the middle hallway of a mall in Dubuque, Iowa, and wow. asked. She, the lady was very nice, and I asked her if she needed help, and she says, "A matter of fact." I do. And that was my first uh, foray into retail and retail sales. Wow. That's great. See, I think that's, I think that's when I talk to people, particularly even when I read from people, uh, you know, big CEOs, they all seem to come back to, they started somewhere in retail where you had to learn it's about somebody else other than you. Right. I mean, uh, no, absolutely. I, uh, I actually think everybody in this world should have to either work a retailer or some kind of service industry job, at least for a little while, just to exactly what you just said. It's not about you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what's, what do you think has been the biggest challenge in the past year um, in retail? Uh, well, I think it's been more than just the past year. It's just, uh, it's the Amazon, the Amazon effect and uh, making, you know, how do you make your brick and mortar establishment worth getting off the couch? How do you draw them in? Well, that's it. I mean, you know, in your previous position with Cathalon, I mean, it's a ubiquitous brand that's been around for a long time. It's served in multiple places. So I'm curious, um, you know, particularly with that team, what, because you had how many stores that you were trying to, you were overseeing? A few dozen. Yeah. And they're, they were all across the U.S. So how do you how do you do that? Because realistically, you're not traveling to them every week. So, what kind of things worked for you? Well, i i found i I found out that uh, it's it's almost impossible to over communicate in a multi state, multi store um, retail setting. Uh, and um, you have to be well. One, you have to you have to put the right people in place and trust them to do their job. Uh-huh. Uh, and 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 truly give them the ability to make decisions on their own and trust them to make the, uh, the smart decision. So 
you hire the correct way, the right way with people that you're doing backflips over. Uh, you train the heck out of them. Uh, you provide uh, consistent positive motivation. And then not to sound too harsh about it, but you hold their feet to the fire with expectations and, you know, have them do their job. So what does that mean? Give me, uh, obviously leaving um, names aside, but can you give us an example of a time when um, you didn't end up being able to, uh, for whatever reason, right? You, you hired the wrong person. They realized it wasn't for them. I mean, how, how do you take them to that place or have they already decided and you're just following up? You know, the thing I always just say, Todd, is um, when the mind goes, the body should have to because the, um, you know, they check out with you, I think, anywhere from four to six weeks before they finally come to you. So were you more proactive seeing things that kind of got your attention or were you more waiting for them to come to you? How did it work for you? And in a specific case, anything that you can share would be great. Sure, sure. So I had a, um, I had a, a district manager uh, based in the southeast uh, with Cafalon that uh, was a very good store manager and ran ran a great store, um, excellent KPIs, uh, customer service, etc. Uh, and as is the case, he got promoted to a level of his own you know, inefficiency. So he was not able to uh, do a a multi-unit management position uh, despite, you know, working very closely with them using situational leadership, D1, S1, all that kind of thing uh, to handhold him into, you know, how to manage his time, how to communicate properly, uh, how to um, develop relationships with people that, Hey, yesterday, these guys were your peers and now you're their boss. And so how do you do, how do you do that? And that, that's a tall order. It's a tall order. And he wasn't able to grasp the concept. Uh, and the, unfortunately the district results went down. I started getting complaints directly to me about his leadership style and, uh, the, you know, the, the proactive work that I tried to do didn't end up working. And so I had to, you know, I had to make a change. And we were, did you allow him to go back down or did he want to go back or that was just like, that's it? That, yeah, that, that was it. Um, the, it was also a little bit of an operational change in focus of where we needed the district manager uh-huh. and we didn't need one in the Southeast. We needed one in a different part of the country. And uh, even if he, you know, even if we, we, and we had a, we actually were able to find a superstar manager for his prior store even better than he was so there was no going back Uh, yeah you know i think that's such an important thing because i i see that so often we we have a great salesperson right the guy or the gal she is just wonderful with people she's so positive and you're like this is better than sliced bread i love this Uh, no problems the numbers are going up and then somehow we decide that oh well would you like to be manager and she's like well sure does that make more money and you're like well yeah it does and they do their best, but for whatever reason, it's just not right for them. And I think that's the the challenge. I think that's what I run into when I deal with, uh, particularly with smaller boutiques, is they feel like um, no one notices. But to your point, you got blowback from the very people that the that were his direct reports. And I think that's that's what you have to take into consideration, right? You can't just look the other way. Cause you're being held accountable too, right? Well, absolutely. And it was, 
it was lucky for me that I was I was in this position from from the very beginning and and had done my work to create as much a personal relationship with the managers as I could. So they, they did feel comfortable uh, coming to me. I know that in larger organizations, that's not able to be the case. And I would think in mom and pops, uh, you know, if, if you're the owner of the business that you, you have a great idea for a store, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're trained or born to lead. <laughs> well, you know, that's an excellent point too, because, uh, I have my online sales training program and invariably the first second or second question or, or statement somebody will make to me is I am not a trainer. I know I'm not a trainer and I'm a horrible trainer. So they acknowledge it. Uh, and I think that's really key. I also think that when you've come up to uh, married uh, couples that have been successful, invariably one uh, says I'm the people person and the other one is, I'm the, um, you know, the financials and all of that. And they don't let those two cross over each other. Sure. Right. No, I, 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 I actually see that in some of my stores with just a manager and an assistant manager. Hey, this guy keeps track of operations and inventory and all that. And I'm the guy that leads the floor. Oh, that's great. I haven't heard of that before on a, in a, in a store. I like that. I like that. That's nice. What's the, what do you think the best advice you've ever received? This could be about anything. It doesn't have to be retail. So well, sure, sure. Just a couple. Well, I got a, a couple of things as I think through this question. One oh, is good. always go into a conversation with the intent to learn, right? So never have a conversation with anybody, um, even if it's casual, that you're not going to learn something. But especially on a professional level, right? What questions can you ask and truly listen? Uh, you'll be better for it. Uh, and the person on the other side of the conversation will notice. Uh, and then for for retail. Um, if you have 10 employees, there's no matter how well functioning your business is, there's always employees eight, nine, and 10. <laughs> and there's always employees one, two, and three. And a lot of times people are focusing just on eight, nine, and 10. How do I right. move them up the chain? How do I, you know, how do I move them out of the business if they're not going to be able to succeed? Uh, but don't forget about employees one, two, and three. How can you give them stretch assignments? How can you challenge them for even more? They're not employees one, two, or three for because they're bad, right? They want to do well. They're there, so give them the, give them challenges. Yeah, that's interesting because I always think uh, so. My philosophy has always been kind of like, so maybe I don't maybe I don't approach them all to learn, Todd. So maybe that's it. But um, you know, when you're eight, nine, or ten, to me, you're kind of dead to me. I always feel like that middle third is where I really need to spend the tension. You know, from three to to seven or from four to seven because they could go either way on me sure and it seems sure. like that that's been mine um my thing because i kind of look at it if you're at eight nine and ten um you're probably not meeting me halfway but but regardless um i think that whole idea of the stretch idea one two and three is really key that it's not just a, hey, you're doing great, Jane, right? You've really got to come up with something else to keep their mind engaged. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, you know, it was difficult in, in Cafalon being such a far stretched organization with not a lot of stores in the same geographic markets. So you couldn't, there was not a lot of, hey, well, we can promote you up to this next job. Oh, but by the way, you're going to have to move 600 miles away <laughs> uh, and you're going to have to do it on your own dime because we're not that big. Right. Um, 
Uh, so what, you know, what positions can we create? What other, what other projects can we do? Uh, we ended up creating a manager's advisory board that no managers could be, or management advisory boards that was full of key carriers and assistant managers. Uh, there was only four and you got nominated and got brought to the annual manager meeting. It was a really big to do and an honor. Uh, just to have people try to get on that and try to see how they could be nominated and earn it. I love that idea because, um, you know, uh, when I, I met a guy actually in the airport, I was doing an interview about Toys R Us and they had called me and said, we want to talk to you in 10 minutes. And this guy turns in front of me and he says, oh, I work for Toys R Us Canada. And I was like, well, this is pretty crazy. So, you know, help me. And he says, you know, the challenge that we saw is in Canada, we elicited information from the staff and in um, in the States, they didn't seem to want to listen or take anybody else's advice. And I thought, well, there's the difference because the Canadian stores weren't in trouble and they had people who wanted to continue working with them. And uh, to your point, being able to offer that, understanding that I can't just keep giving, throwing money at them. And I realistically can't ex hold out the carrot and say, yeah, you can move up the ladder because it is at their own dime, but you can give them attention. Isn't that what, and, and, and being heard, right? Cause they were actionable things that could happen because they were on that council. Yes. Uh, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's funny uh, that you say about being heard uh, when we did, when we did research at, at CAF, CAF Lons, a subsidiary of Newell Rubbermaid. So when Newell Rubbermaid did research on, what employees want for their satisfaction versus what supervisors think employees want, right? Supervisors think employees want money, right? And uh, employees want attention and job satisfaction and, you know, being felt like they're doing a, you know, a good job. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it was quite money. Yeah. Yeah. I think I like that. What, what do you think is your concept of customer service? I mean, what is it, what has to happen for you to feel like, wow, that was excellent? Uh, well, as a consumer, you, I don't have to worry about training it. So, <laughs> oh, got it, got it. You know, uh, I, I, well, because I've been in, I don't know if my heart has lightened because I've been in retail for so long that that I just, you know, almost feel sorry for for people and don't expect as much, or because mm. when I know, I know what efficiency is, I know what a well-run store looks like and feels like, that I expect more. I'm always gracious to folks, but you have to, you have to exceed my expectations. You can't just meet them. You have to exceed them. So if I'm getting off my, if, if I'm getting off my chair and going to your store, right, what did you do to make me want to come back there again? Yeah. Was it, a, and it's usually not anything to do with visual. It doesn't have to, you know, merchandising, neat, clean and shoppable. Of course, that's kind of retail one-on-one. What did, what did the employee interaction give me? What what was something special they did or noticed or a question they asked? Anything they can do beyond uh, the, the the bad words of "Can I help you?" Yeah, I I think that's interesting because um, I I kind of look at it as the brain has to be engaged, right? They've got to feel for that one moment that this is a fun person. I think they kind of approach the sale with uh, curiosity, and they have fun with it. I mean, I was absolutely. I was in a store in Portland and uh, it was like a kind of a papyrus, kind of a gift store, kind of a card store kind of thing. And I walked in, the young woman was very, uh, really good greeting. And I looked around and she walked up to me with this chicken and she goes, have you ever seen anything as stupid as this chicken? I was like, no. <laughs> she goes, I think this is the stupidest chicken I've ever seen. And I've sold 20 in the last week. So I, I don't know if you want to buy one, but I'm just saying, 
Um, huh. You should at least take a look at this, which I don't know how she got there, but I actually found myself thinking, now, could I use this somewhere? <laughs> right. And, and I was like, good for you, because you found a way to get me to laugh. Absolutely. That, 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 that actually makes me laugh when it wasn't there. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much like a lifelike chicken, like, but it was a plush toy. And you're just like, why would somebody even create this? And then she ends up laughing about, well, it's Portland for you. So there you go. Um, when you feel overwhelmed or you lost your focus, you know, because we all have that. We we're, we're high stress people that work in retail. You've got so many demands and different voices. I mean, what do you do to whether that's unplug or get your focus back? Well, I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of a family guy. I'm lucky to work out of my house uh, when I'm not traveling. So, you know, I'm able to I'm able to disengage with, you know, typical family stuff. Mm. Uh, I I also developed a strong relationship with a peer. So the 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 guy that has my job on the West Coast uh, for the company I work for, he and I talk quite a bit, and we we uh, we hit it off fairly early and have similar personalities about things that upset us and things that uh, mm. like that's pretty cool. Uh, so we're able to call each other or text each other and bounce stories off, you know, a few times a week. It's and it's well beyond typical business talk. So like uh, yeah, it's good to have a, a somebody to release to like that, that, that knows what you're going through on a professional level. Yeah, I would agree. I like uh, I, when I was in track, we called him a running buddy. You had somebody who could run alongside you when you're doing the hurdles or the sprints so that you kind of got to um, be encouraged on by that. And I've been watching uh, Seinfeld's comedian with cars and I guess comedians feel that way too, that no one else understands what you do and no one else thinks it's a real job. And, and most people think anyone can do it. And I kind of think of that with retail, a lot of people think like, well, you know, anyone can do it. And it's like, no, it's probably, um, the different skill set than you would think that you need for this. And especially if you're going to be good at it. Uh, well, right. ab absolutely. To, to, to want to go into work at, you know, every day where, you know, there's going to be something different and that, you know, you're expected to, again, we totally talked about this earlier. You're not first in the equation. The customer is first in the equation. And uh, a lot of them don't, you know, don't think that way and they're having a bad day and they've got 60 balls in the air and yeah. that ball number 44 is really making them mad and they're yeah. going to take it out on you. Right. Yeah, no, that's very true. So that brings me to one of my favorite questions. Um, if you had a, a thing of your, a buddy of yours or a friend of yours and um, she or he calls you up and says, oh, I want to meet you for Star Trek, uh, Star at a uh, local uh, coffee house or Starbucks or something like that. Um, you sit down and you're like, okay, so what's up? Well, I want to open a retail store. I've always wanted to do it. What would you tell them? Run the other way. No, I would say, <laughs> uh, I, well, I, I would be happy that they'd ask me for my opinion. And, you know, I first want to listen to their concept and what, why they feel like there's an unmet demand out there, whether it be, um, a, you know, a known franchise that the location mm. is, is good or that they have a new concept that's not in the, in, you know, and not into the local area. Uh, and then I'd have them, I'd, yeah, I'd probably try to give them some honest feedback about their, their personality. So if I'm a good, if I'm truly a good friend and they're not a people person, I'd first ask who they're going to hire to run. The right. Right. And how much uh, you're going to pay them. Right. Exactly. Yep. 
Uh, yeah. So if it's not going to be you, then, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to staff it? Uh, and then just, you know, from my basic knowledge of real estate or where, you know, where are you looking? Cause location absolutely can make a difference, but not all of the difference, uh, a great store manager and a team can overcome a C location. Uh, but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to have, uh, you know, a visible high traffic location as well. But I think it's more about the people, uh, and the and the focus that he does, like how, who are you going to have come run your store, man? That's yeah. that's the big thing I'd I'd ask him. I like that. Yeah, I, I, with location, I always say you never want to be a hundred feet from success. Like I'm always shocked when I tell somebody this is the location you want. And they're like, you know, I could go around the corner and save a third, and that way I'd only have to make a, only have to sell as about a third as much. And you're like, you're not getting it. If you if right. you if you do this, you're going to have to try to promote them and pay them to come to your bad location. And I don't think that ever is a, a good place for you to be. I also liked your idea, what you just said. Um, why do you think there's an unmet opportunity in our in our community? Because most people don't think of it that way. It's like, but I want to open a store. And you're like, well, that's great. But that doesn't mean you're going to be successful if you're trying to open a women's apparel store and there are 30 of them and 10 of them are at the lowest point and 10 are at the highest and 10 are at the middle. And you're going to buy stuff when you go on your buying trips that pretty much two thirds of them probably already have. Right. Right. So you really have to look at that unmet desire. I think that's really key. Yes. Well, if you can't differentiate yourself uh, pretty early, I mean, what do they say about new businesses and the one year, you, you know, they don't 80 percent of them staggering right? one year later they just don't have they don't have the bank account to to float getting really really getting the customer forward flow going or the business model was not thought out enough uh, right. to differentiate themselves in the market well and you do a bad job that's my other thing you know i i work with a coffee franchise and we would tell them you need like eight people in the morning until uh 11 and then because most people drink their coffee in the morning by then and then only like two for the rest of the day and you would call up their first week and you say um how did it go oh you know we had three employees didn't show up there's only three of us running the floor but we got okay and it's like no you didn't get okay because that meant somebody had to wait twice as long and they won't be back absolutely so new retailers especially uh pay attention because i think uh that really is so smart the idea that what's the unmatched unmatched uh need and then more importantly uh, just be totally honest about the people because yeah, you can be that boss that nobody wants to work with. What you end up finding out is more often than not, you're going to be running the store alone because they're going to call in sick or quit on you without any warning. And then you're going to say, Oh, those stupid employees <laughs> instead of you're just not a people person. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to be sometimes be an entrepreneur that just know in your heart of hearts that you have a great idea, but you won't look at yourself in the mirror on how you relate to people. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. Cause I know that, you know, I could be awfully off putting. Uh, so I have to be <laughs> on guard of that because I'm a very strong character. That's what my brand is, you know? And um, as long as you understand who we are, then that I think helps you figure out to take the best of that. But most people I think think that retail will be somewhat easier than, uh, than it is. So uh, we have been gracious with your time. I just have one more question for you. Um, tell me something good about retail. Uh, it, what we've talked about almost the entire call, it's the people. It's being able to uh, find a good hire and uh, get them on your team, have them exceed your expectations, uh, 
to, uh, develop them, promote them, uh, see their success. Uh, my, my favorite part of the job for these last 20 plus years is being able to, you know, take someone maybe that came in as a key carrier and see them all the way through to a store manager, even to hire and, uh, you know, ongoing success better than, you know, better than I ever did. Uh, that's, that's, it's great to see. Uh, and it's fairly common. Um, and it also happens with the customers. So, yeah. you know, what new customer can you meet today? That's going to, you know, change the way that you think about things and help you in your business. So people, people, yeah. people. Yeah. I love that idea. You're helping them go from here to there. And I think that's the other thing that, that confounds people. They think that retail doesn't necessarily have a future, but it does because a lot of people learn as they get these new skills that they go on to somewhere else. And that's fine too. Well, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, the, the doom of, of brick and mortar that you read about is, in, you know, entirely misplaced. Uh, well-run retail organizations will continue to thrive out there. Uh, there's lots of room. People like to go out and interact with other people. It's not always about, maybe I'm just showing my age here, but it's not always <laughs> just about the click-throughs. So um, I think people want the human interaction and to, you know, to get, uh, you know, well-heeled advice about things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to your point, to remember that you've got a, uh, you, it's impossible for you to over-communicate those standards and that feeling to your crew so that they can make your customers day. Cause unless you make their day, they're not going to do, uh, they're not going to do it for your customers. And that's, that's other places. Uh, I think a lot of retailers are struggling with right now. So tell me, Todd, um, how would people, uh, if they wanted to learn more about you, how would they connect with you particularly on like LinkedIn? Well, I'm under Todd Gill on LinkedIn. Uh, Kurt, um, so I don't think that there's too many, too many of us out there. I enjoy uh, anybody that wants to reach out and talk a little bit more and uh, uh, contact with me. That'd be fantastic. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate the time. Uh-huh. Bye. All right. Bye. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm your host, Bob Fibbs, the Retail Doctor. Please share the love and tell your friends to subscribe as I engage retailers to share their tips for growing your retail business. Find out more about me at retaildoc.com. That's R-E-T-A-I-L-D-O-C.com. While you're there, you can find a transcript of this podcast. You can send an email to me at bob at retaildoc.com to tell me what you thought of this episode. And or you can leave a comment and share your experience right here as it relates to what we were talking about today. Again, I hope you'll tune in for another episode and good selling.